If you aren't networking, you are not growing. Last season, I had the opportunity to connect with a star in the UK, Colin Hunter. He had heard the show and wanted to join our community. But with his networking, it brought me to today's guests. And today's guests will be a testament to honing in on your strengths in the workplace and leverage your strengths very much. You have made it to another episode of That Entrepreneur Show, where you get firsthand testimonials from founders of companies across the world. My name is Vincent A. Lancy, and I am your host today. Before I bring on today's guest, we're going to do a little rapid fire again, some quick questions and answers to get to know our guest. Adam, which platform do you stream podcasts through? Uh, Spotify. Spotify. Where do you normally listen to your shows? Uh, normally at work. At work. Now, is that in headphones on a... Oh, where, where, where? Uh, now, usually going through, uh, going through uh, my Sonos speakers, so it fills nice. up my whole office. Yeah. Awesome. Well, with that, I'd like to welcome you all to this episode, because whether you're looking to start or scale your business, this is the show for you, because you never know which motivational journey will inspire you most. Adam is the founder of Treehouse Innovation and Sprintbase. He has spent most of his career working with companies to design new products, services, and strategies, and to develop their own internal innovation capability. Formerly with Ernst & Young Consulting, Adam has led numerous innovation projects and designs for all types of organizations, including Amazon, eBay, NBC Universal, and more. He has additionally designed and delivered learning and leadership programs with top business schools, Imperial College London, the Judge Business School in Cambridge, Rice University and Georgia Tech on this side of the pond. But at Treehouse, they are creative and helpful people committed to enabling their clients to accomplish amazing things. In his other endeavor, Sprintbase, they are a virtual innovation platform that empowers change makers, facilitators, and everyday innovators to apply human-centered design with rigor and creatively solve some challenges ahead. I'm excited to learn more about his long entrepreneurial journey. He's been through a lot of companies and we have a lot of learning lessons here. Let me bring him on. Adam Billing. Adam, it's great to see you. Hey, Vincent. Good to be here, man. Hey, I'll tell you, I'm going to have to ask you to excuse a little bit of background noise. Got to open the door because right now in London, we are experiencing a heat wave of 31 degrees centigrade, uh, which is, is, is like, like about 90 or uh, something like that. Yeah, that's that's when that's that's when most English people melt when when they hit that uh, that, that thirty degree point. But it is um, it is it is certainly very warm. So the windows are open. Hey, but, it's, uh, here yeah, in Florida, it's always like that. Unfortunately, it was about eighty one degrees when I went to the gym this morning at five ish. So yeah. I'm staying indoors today for sure. Would you mind giving our audience a little intro, Adam, and preview your story before we dive into this business talk? Sure. Okay. So. Yes, I am Adam. Um, you know, as Vince just said, so founder of a couple of companies that are that are that have been running for a while now. Treehouse, which is a design innovation consultancy. Um, you know, so we we build stuff for people or work with them to build new things, right? So it could be a new products, new services, design new strategies, or you know, a lot of the work things like transforming their culture to, to awesome, help people yeah. inside those businesses that we work with get, you know, better at kind of thinking creatively and working creatively. 
Um, and the other business that you mentioned, Sprintbase, which is a software platform that we built inside Treehouse to fundamentally enable people to do what we do. So we're, we're kind of planning our own extinction. Um, so yeah, Sprintbase does exactly that. It helps those people that we work with do those kinds of projects and workshops and all that good design and innovation stuff without us. I feel like both of those companies were essential to us going into a lockdown as a world where we need to be home, collaborate, thinking of new ideas, have to do it all digitally. Your company probably played a major role in a lot of companies this pandemic, but I want to find out why. Why did you become an entrepreneur, Adam? Oh, man. That is a, it was never a choice, I don't think. Um, I never said, you know what, I'm just, I'm an entrepreneurial kind of guy, and here, and here we go. Um, I, I think, quite simply, was working for the University of Cambridge and um, in a small consultancy called Bridge, some great folks, and and that was coming to an end. And I headed this, and I moved over to the UK for that. This was maybe like 15 years ago or so. Unbelievably 15 years ago. But uh, I'm from, originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. So if you're missing like the really posh, cool English accent, you know, if that's what you were expecting, you know, Colin Hunter delivered that for you. You just got a guy, I'm from Cincinnati, you know, but uh, I've been in London for 15 years. Um, but I had a decision to make. It was either take a job, I had a couple job offerings, you know, decent salary, went in for the interviews, all that kind of stuff, or give it a shot on my own. And I thought, you know what, um, that feels right. And I wish I could tell you that there was, you know, a, a matrix that I had established with a checklist of pros and cons and, you know, aligned it to my values. And But it wasn't. It was a gut thing. It was like, that feels better. I'm going to try that and I'm going to keep trying it until people you know, tell me I can't anymore. And they haven't yet. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that was, that was it. It was, it was, it was a gut feeling when faced with a crossroads. Yeah. I have to ask, where did you find opportunities in the United Kingdom being in Ohio? Well, the, um, so I had moved over to the UK, sort of working with University of Cambridge and I'd been here for a few years, I guess it was probably four years, three, four years at that point. Okay. Um, and there was a decision to co go back to the U.S. or to soldier on here in the U.K. Uh, as a as an entrepreneur. Um, yeah. And yeah, and so it was tough. But it was it was relying on network. It was being resourceful. Right. It was, you know, trying to to find opportunities. I you know in the early days, I mean, I was I was very much on my own, um, and sort of added another person and another person to kind of work with me. Um, but yeah, we're just trying to leverage network doing, we were, we, you know, any, any kind of project or anything roughly innovation related, we would hold up our hands and say, yes, we'll do it. No matter what it is, we just needed to get the experience, needed to build the credentials. I love it. Very inspiring. Just throwing yourself out there, figuring it out. But you chose entrepreneurship instead of going back to Ohio. What would you say two of the hardest parts are of being in an entrepreneurial role? Oh, man. Well, um, so since, you know, since those, those, since the early days, you know, we've, we've grown a lot. We're around um, Treehouse, we're around 20 people and um, Sprint Base, uh, depending on how you count it with, you know, different designers and, and, and dev contractors right. and offshore and on, you know, there's a team about half that size uh, again. And, um, you know, 
that's been exciting to see that that grow up I and mean, we're not we're not huge but it's 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 a long way away from that moment when i made the absolutely be an entrepreneur um as far as the hardest things the the buck stops with you which is which is tough right you know when the good things are happening that's great but when you know things like pandemics and stuff show up um yeah there's no doubt about it man the stress is tough you know because you've um you know you've got uh, you've pulled together a group of people and you know you feel a certain amount of responsibility for making sure people are having you know careers that are rewarding that they're absolutely you know that you know because you're partially um not responsible for but you're a factor in their life and their happiness right in, in terms of their well-being and that is tough because you, you can't sort of point to somebody else you know i'm sure every entrepreneur probably answers this the same way but you can't point to any boss and go it's that idiot's fault you know the reason things are a mess is because of that idiot and uh you know blame him it, it's, it's just you um so that and then the other big thing is just you can't ever really take a vacation um it's just impossible you can try but yeah i at least i've i've not yet managed it but i know it's something that uh, should happen whenever i go up to new york to see my family i always anticipate taking a few days away from the computer but i always find myself opening it up getting to work because the work never ends there's always something to do as an entrepreneur when you are truly not backed by another company when you're the founder of a company there is no one above you it's you making the decisions and it's your decision of the vacation or keep the business open. Exactly. But exactly. You've had a lot of learning lessons throughout your experiences here. What would you say the greatest failure or lesson learned was for you? Oh, I think, um, you know, this, this year has been, this year has been, you know, really exceptional. Um, obviously it's just a kind of a, kind of an understatement. Um, I, I, I talk about about this year, but I think the biggest learning of all time happened even even earlier. If there's something that might be you know valuable to your listeners, right? Um, I will say that for this year, one thing that is has been a big learning is when times are tough, that's the time you need to dial up the transparency with people, um, because like lots of businesses, we took a a massive hit because a lot of our work was you know projects, workshops, big events, bringing people together to do design stuff. Luckily, we also had the software business, which, which, as you might have expected, grew throughout that period. Just a little. But, and it was, it was a very, uh, but it was, it was a, it was a tough time, especially at the beginning. We didn't know, no one knew what the heck was going to happen. So we just sort of really opened up for everybody on the team like every month. So you guys hear the financials. This is exactly where we're at, you know, like total transparency. You know, there's a red line, the blue line, if the blue line um, is ever lower than the red line, then there's going to be really, you know, difficult decisions. And, and that, the big learning for me was, you know, you give people that trust, that credit to be able to handle hard stuff and you're straight with them. You you get people who are are there they're committed they're in they're get they, they get it and it's and it's real and that was we did more through that period um than, than just about ever before but i think all about the all about the transparency well you're talking about bringing those correct people on your team i'm sure that didn't happen overnight where your first hire was the perfect hire what are some <laughs> things you do to really 
increase your chances of hiring the correct employee? Oh man, I tell you, one of the things that I wish I had some kind of sage-like advice here, but this is something that we do in such an uh, is the word maybe immature way. We we don't have the structures and processes and checklists in place for that interview and the time. You know, so this these are the criteria. This is it. We are very much a recruiting for culture kind of absolutely organization. We so much of it happens on, you know, conversations. We make sure when someone's going to join the team, we get lots of introductions with other members. And, you know, obviously, you know, you got to be skilled. You got to have the the strong portfolio. You got, you know, all the basics that got to be there. Right. So we're, we're not, not just, Hey, I like you join the team, but there's, you know, the, the decision-making process ultimately does come down to cultural fit. And, I, and I've heard from loads of, of folks who've grown to far bigger sizes than us that, you know, you hit, hit around 30 mark or so. And, and that's, when, that's when it gets a lot tougher to, to kind of manage on that, uh, on that basis. Like what you said there, at one point, you have a lot of conversations, breaking down communication barriers with your new hires. When I was in graduate school, I was the marketing director for a startup called WeView, where it was a company culture tool. And one of the things when we went from B to C to B to B was that software would be to break down new higher communication barriers, to announce new company announcements, company happy hours, to keep the culture of the company close knit. So I very much like how you said that. But now I want to delve deep into that brain of yours. If you could sit down and have a conversation with any entrepreneur, who would you pick? Any entrepreneur. Dead or alive? Mick Jagger. Here, why? Mick. So, you know, first of all, I'm a huge Stones fan, and that's enough. So, you know, if, if there's any sort of magic ability that you hold, Vincent, and, you know, this actually gets to come true for me, I'm going to get to meet Mick out of this, which is a, which, which would be a good thing for me. Um, but honestly, I mean, you know, Stones fan or not, you know, I've heard that you sort of like, you know, Mick's basically the CEO. Keith Richards gets a vote. The rest of the guys are employees, more or less, is, is what I've heard. And, you know, they they run that that brand of theirs, you know, obviously backed up by unbelievable, you know, music over decades. But they've they've created a thoroughgoing 60-year-long, you know, business in a lot of ways where it doesn't even feel like a business, right? Because the stones are doing their thing. But if you look at what they've done, they've managed to find a way, or, you know, Mick, if he's leading the charge, has managed to find a way to be doing exactly what he wants to be doing for the last, you know, 60 plus years. Um, and, you know, making music, doing his thing and making a pretty good living off of it, as I understand, you know, so I'm pretty much, I'm listening to anything Mick has got to tell me. So yeah, I got, Jack. I got a two-part question coming your way. We're going to ask you for your favorite Stone song, but then we're going to ask if you could pick this meeting's location. Where are the two of you sitting down? Oh man, oh that is a that is a that is a hell of a good question. So where? Well, definitely at a bar. I think uh, yeah. I don't. I don't really care what bar it is. I think it's just it's it's a it's it's a bar where nobody's gonna bug us, 
and nobody's going to kick a hole out. in the wall place. Yep. Exactly. That's it. So that's where the conversation is, uh, is happening. Well, now let's look into the future for your businesses here, Adam. What's in the future for all of your entrepreneurial endeavors? Are we exiting some companies, starting new companies? What's in the works? Well, I mean, the, so there's a lot happening with the sprint-based business, which is exciting. So that's, as he was born inside the consultancy, that's spinning out as its own business, bringing some external investment in, all of that stuff. That's cool. So we're seeing a lot of stuff happening, hiring more people in there. And, you know, that's, that's sort of very much of the now. Um, looking a little bit ahead, another thing that we've started recently, we've partnered up with an incredible, um, a real legend in the space of innovation and design, um, a woman named Professor, Professor Jean Lietke, who, um, is you know she's done research on I mean to the level pretty much no one else out there has on the impact of design and and sort of creative behaviors on, on what actually happens in the organization in terms of the impact it makes awesome. know, on the culture on their performance and we're doing some really cool work around kind of helping using some kind of diagnostic instruments backed up by that research to help kind of demystify some of this, make it a little bit more tangible for people. People talk about design, innovation, creativity. It all can be a little bit wooly. Um, and, and we're trying to bring some kind of serious rigor to it. And um, yeah, so we've kind of kicked off that effort in the last couple of months. And that's that's got a lot of really exciting prospect uh, ahead of it, I think. It looks like we have today's guest honing in on growth for his companies. Be sure to stick around to the end of the episode to find out how to find out where his companies are online, on social media, and how to reach out. But you know what time it is. It is time to share another Spotlight story. We have an all-star United Kingdom entrepreneur back on the show this week. So we're going to introduce the journey of another in Lawrence Graff. His entrepreneurial spirit was sparked with while an apprentice. At the age of 18, he began working alongside a more experienced jeweler, which this can translate to any business. Mentorship is key. Look at NFL, even Aaron Rodgers sitting out a year. You look at businesses, interns staying on an extra year. This is why. Graf suggested they formed a partnership. His flair, drive, and determination led to his first triumph, where he negotiated in advance of 33 small diamonds for 60 pounds from a diamond dealer. Rather than making 33 small rings, he used all of the diamonds to make one elaborate ring, a huge flash of stones as the centerpiece on selling the ring to a jeweler. Not only did it make a profit, but right after the jeweler called to say he sold the ring already and wanted more orders. He felt inspired. Graf began thinking of ways to create more unique diamonds, not what everybody else had. He created a ring with a unique 19 stone cluster, placing one large diamond in the center six around it, and then 12 stones on the outside. This is rubies, emeralds, and sapphires. But the point of this is that you have to think outside the box when an opportunity comes. You can't let it just stay knocking. He had saved enough money to launch his own company, Graf Diamonds, in 1960. And already in 1962, he had two London retail stores and a reputation for creating high-end jewelry. But he wanted to go worldwide like many of you listening on. Age 29, young guy. He decided to begin his global expansion to take his designs to a wider audience where he went on private yachts and personally met potential customers to share his brand. Old school networking right there. Adam, what do you like best about his journey? Oh, what do I like the best? Man, um, well, look where it ended. That's for sure. I mean, that's, uh, 
that's that's a that's a that's a beautiful story. Um, you know, I think the simplicity of it's great. You know, that kind of that opportunity that's right under your nose. I think most people would have 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 passed by and you know, never had that additional thought. I mean, it does make me think like what you know, how many of those moments do we encounter every day where there is some little missing uh, little Houses. missing missing. The, uh, yeah, that we could exploit, but it's it's uh, it's yeah, it's a great story, man. Yeah, but I think the simplicity, love it, under his nose, and just yeah, spotting it. Well said. I appreciate that analysis as well as I appreciate your time coming on the show. I'm grateful for the referral. You added a lot of value. Some things I really enjoyed was our conversation on new hires. Your difficult parts of entrepreneurship are relating to everyone, but more importantly, you took a risk going overseas, and when the time came to move that crossroad safety and security back in the u.s or a chance to really thrive and be on your own and do it look how far you've come it's great to see all your success and i wish you more in the future i would like to stop for a second though and ask for your last word last word um i guess i would just say that uh you know i, I don't feel comfortable holding myself up as any kind of like you know huge success story or model of anything but i tell you one thing i've known come to know over the last decade or so of, of kind of being an entrepreneur and, and, you know, dealing with all the stuff that we've been talking about is you know, it can be stressful. It can be absolutely stressful. And I think to anybody who is, who's doing this, I think they'll know this is, is true. It's really anybody who's, who's considering, you know, taking the plunge, something to keep in mind is, you know, this, the kind of pressures that you'll be under, you got to stay kind of healthy in body, healthy in mind. You, it, it sounds so, so basic and simple, but like, you know, you got to get enough sleep. You got to eat. All right. You got to exercise. Not that I do those things very often, you know, um, all these things can be doing a hell of a lot better. Um, but one thing I have noticed is like when you, if you're going to take this plunge, you've got to kind of keep all that other stuff, you know, kind of disciplined. Yeah. Because if not, the kind of natural pressure that is always going to come when you do it yourself can be too much to handle for some folks. And I let all that other life stuff kind of keep in that, um, you know, in, in check makes all the difference in the world. Which is why when I go on this holiday next week, I'm going to try to actually, uh, actually check out for a while. But, well, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't let the opportunity pass me where he just mentioned things like exercise, sleeping, taking care of yourself. It's easier said than done to do every single thing in the world that makes you feel good and is good for you. But those things are good for your mental health. And that as an entrepreneur is how you keep going each day. You can run yourself down. You can let negative feedback get you down. There are a lot of things to take you down, including having a pile of work so big where you don't even want to enjoy your vacation. But I challenge you to use his story today, his last word as motivation and push through. Can you please tell everybody now your websites, the social media, any ways to find you or request your services? Sure. I mean, if you Google either Treehouse Innovation or Sprintbase, you'll find us. Uh, it's sprintbase.io is the website there, and it's treehouseinnovation.com. Um, Treehouse Innov in, on, on Twitter. And you can find us on LinkedIn as well. But yeah, guys, um, get in touch. Let us know if you got any questions. Love to, uh, love to chat. And Vincent, thanks a whole lot for having me, man. It's been a lot of fun. Likewise, man. And while you're on the internet looking for his stuff, be sure to check us out too. My website is vincentalancy.com where you can find everything. 
socials at that entrepreneur show, except on Twitter. We're at podcast by Lance. to get updates from all four shows. If you check out my new books, be sure to let me know what you think. Mental Health Week just came out. The go-to book for elementary school students to level up their mental health. It's time for the quote to end the show. This one is from today's entrepreneur, and it does not just relate to the jewelry business. It can relate directly to your product, too, because quality is key. We strive to offer jewelry pieces that will last forever. I love that quote because it was simple, but the forever was such a profound impact. You see mall kiosks, people that go for cheap bucks, cheap jewelry, jewelry stores closing down. This is something that's over 100 years old. Let's make it happen. See you next week on That Entrepreneur Show. Mm-hmm.